When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there. So this is episode 9 of Stop and Search on the Distraction Pieces Network in association with Elite UK, brought to you by Acast. Here we go. Thanks again for joining us, guys. It's coming around quick, isn't it? We're coming up for our first year anniversary in, in what, three episodes' time? So we'll have to see what we can do for that. We've got some pretty decent events coming up, so make sure you keep tuned to at UKLeap on Twitter, at UKLeap.org on Facebook. We've been getting a lot of requests for where can we find tickets, how can we get along to shows, so if you just keep on top of social media, just keep a lookout for us. But we can put you on main lists as well if you like. So if you go to ukleap.org, um, find the email button, just give us an email and we'll put you on a main list. So you make sure you keep on top of where we're at. So this is episode nine. What are we going to talk about? I thought it'd be quite a good idea if we could chase some of the supporting media that's out there. And I saw some fantastic documentary shorts that were on 4OD, which if you go to the cast link, which is a cast slash stop and search, um, you'll find all the scrolling links there, so you can dip in, have a watch of them. Uh, these documentary shorts, there's six of them, and they're around about five minutes, and each taking a different subject. Um, and it looks at the highs and lows of the weed industry in Colorado. And I was lucky enough to speak to the makers. And that's what we did. So we all bundled into Waterstones Tottenham Court Road again. Um, this time it was upstairs in the cafe. Thank you so much to the guys at Waterstones for giving us a space once more. And um, have a listen to the conversation we had. We cover loads of different things from what's going on in the weed industry in Colorado with regards to money, with regards to grows. This is a new industry, not been forged before. So what's going on? How are we regulating cannabis? Colorado are doing it. So let's see their example. Ollie Pollard and Becky Solomon are the makers of the film. Um, thankfully they joined us because they were embedded in the Colorado culture. So who better to give us a rundown of the highs and lows of the weed industry? I'll speak to you after. Oh, this, is, this is the point of the podcast as well. We don't kind of start. We just kind of segue in and ease in. Okay. But, um, Probably segue off of... Off of that banter about <laughs> yeah. Star Wars, I'm assuming. Yeah, just yeah. criticise me of being the biggest geek in the entire world. <laughs> That's fine. So uh, the, the reason that we wanted to do this podcast is because I saw on 4OD 
the uh, quite fantastic documentary shorts of the highs and lows of the weed business. And luckily, we have the people here that made them. <laughs> um, so we got Ollie Pollard, who is producer and co-director, if I believe. Mm-hmm. And we also have... Oh, I did this before. Where I, <laughs> I always... It's let's, not, you, let's, let's go, go for it. Say it, and then we'll see how close you are. Is Becky you? Solomon. Yeah. Nailed it. Right. I thought yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I did this once before. I, I can't remember whose name it was, and I got it completely wrong. And then all the way through it, I was like, how am I going to get out of that now? It's gone too far. Yeah. It's like, he didn't even correct me. I was like... I always mate. just go, mate. After yeah. that. You know when you go, mate? <laughs> hey, mate. It doesn't work with all girls, but... Um, yeah. And Becky Solomon, who is the editor. So... My first question is, I mean, they are fantastic documentary shorts because we don't know enough about what goes on in Colorado. And this is what it looks like. The Colorado weed industry is a, a holistic package. Mm-hmm. Why did you do it? Why, what initially led you to get involved in that project? Um, well, I was in uh, development, uh, a small indie, and um, they'd done a lot of digital content in the in the past not for 4AD not as part of Channel 4's kind of digital original digital content but they had done a lot of digital so we were pitching in ideas um, at the time and uh, they happened to have done a lot in uh, gaming video gaming at that time and uh, so I pitched in a few ideas and that and not really my thing and eventually having had a few like uh, not for us or we're already developing something similar I happened to be reading uh, stuff about the weed industry. It was just one of those, you know, things. You got a bit of time to kill, whatever. And uh, this is going to sound incredibly boring, but what I read was about the uh, difference between the federal and state law and what that means. Uh, if anybody knows anything about how it works in in America, um, the difference between federal and late, uh, state law and how your money is under federal law but states can pass other laws and it causes this massive problem at least in the weed industry and i i read this story uh and i was like that is kind of crazy it's that you're um doing something legal which happened to be growing and selling and buying marijuana but as soon as you put it in a bank profits from it you were under federal law and you were essentially breaking the law um and i was like that is bizarre and quite interesting and started reading into it more and that was it and once once it opened that kind of door if you like i read all sorts of stuff and watched all sorts of stuff and it, i just found it just sounded like this fascinating subject and uh, and that's what kickstarted it and that's where i thought do you know what i think there's a series of films we could make around the industry um and i guess the seed was to not do it how you think, so not do it with a rap soundtrack and a you know a load of people just lighting up and you know, it it didn't seem like it would be particularly original. And so the more I read, um, I started to find out about how there's a a separate security industry that's grown up as a result of all this cash that floats around the city and uh, that there was a big medical scene which you know beforehand I didn't know an awful lot about and uh, yeah it just really kind of lit my imagination I thought wow we could just do six films that very specifically look at different parts of 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 the industry. So did either of you and I'm looking at you Becky did you either of you have any idea of what was going on in cannabis in general terms? I didn't. 
No. So you're a complete so, novice to this. Yeah, so. I was a complete novice. I didn't have any preconceptions. I don't think either of us really no. did. So we went in, not blind, but with an open mind, basically. So I think that really helped when it came to um, the editorial side of things because we weren't, it's quite easy to try and push an agenda but we didn't have one. So every time we got an interview with someone new, it was like, oh my God, all this stuff I didn't know. I mean, it's a whole world that I had no idea about. And we got so many interviews with so many different people that obviously most of it didn't make the films. Um, and there's so much more that we, you know, all these stories that we could have told. And actually something that kind of surprised me along the way, the people that um, Ollie arranged to speak to is that they're not the kind of people you would have imagined to be sort of pro-weed. They weren't like your usual stereotype at all, were they? Um, mm. You know, the the medical user, Terry, who we spoke to, she was just, she was obviously very, very pro-medical because it had, you helped know, just her. helped her. Yeah, personally. Yeah. But she was a 50-something-year-old woman. Yeah. And then you've got people like Taylor. She, she was kind of very, um, she was, she had a more political standpoint, didn't mm, she? She worked on in Capitol Hill and, and, and you know around uh, American politics for a long time, and had seen this cause and and taken it up. She wasn't a pro smoker. She mm. wasn't you know she was a very professional woman uh, yeah. and very very intelligent. And um, and I think that's the I guess that's what we wanted to show that it isn't. I think there's a massive misconception, mm. and I don't want to go into. Um, championing everything, you know, like too much because there are issues, and we, you know, to happily talk about what the issues are. But um, there is a there is a stereotype, as Becky said, and and a misconception that's been peddled for years, you know, and that and that that stigma. Mm. I mean, Becky's talking about it earlier. That stigma is going to be hard to rid of people you know especially of a certain generation i guess and i think that's why they the documentaries were is because as you said they don't come from any position mm. they come from just covering what's going on mm. and even someone in like myself that knows a fair amount what's happening it's still an eye-opener i mean as you said there is six documentary forms and the one for me that stood out was the security and, that's really good. and how good the money how the money goes through yeah that's um, really good you say can that. you just explain what goes on you touched on it briefly of the fact that mm. um, even though under state law in colorado they can have legalized cannabis but under federal law it's still very much illegal mm. so what do they do with this banking system so like i said I, I hope it doesn't sound really boring but um but yeah that that is that when i read that i was like i'm not i just don't quite understand i think why I find it fascinating as a Brit, and that maybe that's why it was good to make it as British people, was that you know it's so different. We we're not there yet, and, and we're and we're a, a way off, I would say. But um, because they've been doing it, and I didn't know until I really got into it that they'd legalised medicinal use of marijuana in in, in two thousand. You know, this is a fifteen plus years that that medicinal marijuana has been available in Denver, but <clears throat> just. Yeah, to clarify, so you, you have state law and federal law in America, and the banks are all run under federal law. Uh, and state law, you can pass what you want, kind of when you want, if you pass it through legislature. So in, in Denver, they, they pass medicinal marijuana to buy and to sell and to cultivate. But your money profits from that, 
uh, are uh, under federal law. So what has happened in the city is uh, you've got a cash-rich city, and what I mean is paper-rich. So almost no dispensary, marijuana dispensary, had a bank account. So they have huge safes on site, um, and it's just cash because uh, as soon as you exchange anything, goods or whatever, with plastic, you pay with plastic, you're under federal law. Uh, you're under federal law. So um, uh, everything's in cash. So you had people originally when it first, when the gold, uh, when the green rush sorry, first started, was you had people moving cash around themselves. So like, you know, infant businesses, if you like, you know, just started as a dispenser sort of or whatever. Cottage industry. That cottage sort industry, of, yeah. if you like, yeah. Um, and that has changed in the time from then to when we went. But uh, who'd have bags, literally bags of money. And we heard stories how uh, some people would turn up and pay their taxes on tax day with a bag of cash, right? Because you can't, because they, they, they didn't want to put it in a bank account. Um, and if you watch, you talk about the security one there, Jace, but if you, if you watch the, um, the one about the Grow, um, uh, which is about Midsomer, which is a big, big company who gr- grow marijuana. They had their bank accounts shut down. They had their kids' bank accounts shut down. Um, even though they were statewide doing nothing illegal, federally, under federal law, what they were doing was illegal. So it's very, yeah, it's very strange. I hope I made that clear. I probably yeah, haven't. No, but and, and that is, he touches upon it in there. I think it's Andy Williams. I think you, you yeah, Andy, yeah. He, he was noticeably uh, concerned. He even said that he had bad yeah. dreams up until oh, very yeah, recently, yeah. didn't yeah. he? About what could happen still. Yeah. So does it make sense to you, Becky, that we can have such a system in place in America of a, a legalized system, yet such risk at the same time? Well, I think that's kind of something they're all touching on is that. They've made such headway in the time that it has been legal and it's so heavily regulated. I mean, I don't even think we even got into the kind of... um, We didn't get into any real detail about how regulated it actually is. So I think that surely you'd hope that as time went on, it would be more and more regulated. And I think they're all hoping that at some point at the federal level it will become legal because that's the only way that they're all going to be kind of safe in their businesses mm. because they're, they're very worried that they have these hugely um, cash-infused businesses. So they're a target to criminals, which is obviously terrifying, you know, when they're actually doing something that's legit, you know, the grow, especially like the, if, you know, these guys went in there and it's a fully legitimate business and really, you know, very well thought out yeah. and... Um, you know, for someone like Andy having to worry about, you know, he says like he worries that black SUVs are going to turn up outside his building. Arrested th- for something he's done wrong. Yeah, that, but, that's yeah. the interesting thing. He's not necessarily worried from the from the gangs that are going to come. He's no, it's from it's the f- from the federal yeah, government. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's still this tangible fear still yeah. of you know it's shifted from organised crime, but it's now gone over to what the federal government are going to yeah. do. Especially, sorry, go on. No, I said so, just. You t- mentioned the security thing and, and why it was interesting I, I, just to uh, clarify so this this green security which is what we called our episode has emerged as a result of of what we were what we're talking about mm. this cash infused industry so they have established themselves to move money around more safely they've got armored armored 
vehicles. That's why I really like that film as well because it's we filmed in an armored. It's set. very intense. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's suspenseful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's our little ode to uh, Michael Mann. <laughs> but um, so um, it's so. But yeah. So in that we 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 have, we have a ride along as uh, as they they called it, not mine. Uh, but um, so Bud filmed, who's our cameraman. He he filmed in the van with the drivers. Um, and so that industry has 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 uh, has emerged because of the amount of money. So they're moving around maybe a hundred thousand uh, dollars, or maybe a lot of weed, but most of the time a lot of cash. And they'll pick that money up from the dispensary, and then they'll tag it. He says in the you'll see in the film he, they tag it, uh, tag the money. And then they will drive it directly to the bank and deposit it in the bank themselves, so that the people that run the dispensary don't really—it sounds awful—but don't dirty their hands with the cash because they're not doing anything illegal. But essentially, that's—it's like a, a middleman, a very organised, very safe middleman. And that industry in itself is growing. So they, when we went there to Denver in April, they were moving to massive, a much bigger facility with this like grade A bank safe to keep their clients' money in, and so yeah, so that industry has emerged as a result of how America is is structured uh, law-wise. You know what I mean? And and it was very interesting as well. There was ethical dilemmas because the people that are filling the gaps of these new security roles tend to be of law enforcement and mm. military backgrounds, mm. who of course were tasked with fighting the war on drugs in some sort of way, but now they're in a legal industry. Yep. So they were, they were having to battle with this kind of, it, it, this ingrained decision in their mind of legitimization. Yeah. And that really come across. I think you managed to get that. Was, that. was that conscious or did that just seep through that they were automatically doing that from their own... It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, when, when we came to cutting it, and when Becca was cutting it, you're limited. You know, we, as, as mm. Becca said, we have a lot of interview with all the people we spoke to, and so the guy uh, that ran Blue Line was the security company we spoke to. Um, that was one of the one of the key points he made. That you, you you bring up, Jess, is that whole idea of an ethical question mm. and the idea of the cops. So before we went, but only. You know, not really long before. It wasn't like a documented thing. It's not like there's lots of literature on the internet about blue line security. You know, most people wouldn't know what that was and you wouldn't click on it for any reason, right? Not like it says blue line security for the cannabis industry. Mm. It's not like they're making a big song and dance about it. So it was only in my conversations prior to, to us getting there that I got a kind of sense, uh, from, from, uh, the guy that owns blue line and some of his colleagues of, how many law enforcement officers were involved in doing that and yeah it's a massive it's a massive shift for them because it's recent history that they would have been arresting the same people for selling or buying or smoking weed and now they're delivering the profits from that industry and it was deliberately oh not deliberately but it was very suspenseful i love the way it was done (laughs) it was it was perfect in the way that it got across that there is still, for the people that are putting them on the line for security, there's no security for them still, is there? Because of the way the situation is still. Yeah. yeah. I, they're front, I guess they're front line. I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I bet they felt more, more. I don't know, more in fear when they were cops, I would imagine, than they, than yeah. they do in the Weedon. For me, it's a very interesting city to go and visit if you... You know, if you if you, if you smoke weed or not, you know what I mean. It doesn't really matter. It's 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 not it's not. Uh, there's nothing threatening about you know the city or I the think, vibe yeah, of the city. I think that's the feeling that you get, and why they 
it didn't feel like speaking to them it didn't feel like they were scared for their lives that they were going to get they were aware they were aware of the danger yeah because they're trained to be as well but i don't think they felt particularly threatened because like you said the feel of the place and the feel of the everyone's attitudes is that it's this it's this kind of we we've got preconceptions because we live in a different kind of society we don't have legal recreational weed here so it's not something that we're used to but they are so it's a culture shift for the you know for them it's totally different for us you know we we would be worried because we'd be thinking oh my god we're going to get arrested someone's going to pull us over you know or like you know hold us up with a gun or something like that you know if you were carrying around huge bags of weed but i don't know whether i mean that's just something else you could there's so much more you could go into. There was a further culture shift in, in, in Colorado and in Denver specifically, though, in 2014. Because although and we were talking about, mentioned about medical marijuana being legal since 2000, actually uh, they passed the recreational, recreational law a lot later. And it wasn't until 2014, two years after um, they passed it, um, that the first sale of recreational marijuana um, uh, happened. So, you know, that's a big. Sh- that was a big shift in the city, from all accounts from everybody we spoke to, is that the leap from medicinal to to recreational is massive. You know, sales increased, you know, tenfold or whatever it was. Tax revenues, you know, shot up. You know, that's the figures you read about if you have read about Denver and and because they are a kind of leading light in that kind of um in in states legalizing and obviously it's been a big news with the elections just recently but um yeah that was a that was a that was a, a big shift and that's where those 100 million dollars in tax revenues that you hear about that's from that point if you know what i mean that's from that point did you get an impression that the previous culture with medical marijuana helped integrate into what they know now or is it a big leap from where they were to this point was there any sense of that I think in the community like back in mm. all the people we spoke to it, they're quite a it, 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 it's quite a close community in many ways you know what I mean so I think within within that community probably there, there wasn't mu- there wasn't much maybe maybe socially it would have been, you know, in hindsight, we had a limited amount of time to tell our stories. We had a limited amount of time to film. Right. And Becky had, we had a limited amount of time in the edit. You know, we could have told, as Becky said, a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I'd love to tell that story. I'd love to tell what's the, what's the reaction outside of that community, you know? Because there's the community of people that are campaigning daily still for reform different reforms uh they may be fighting uh backlash to certain things whether that be uh road deaths as a result of marijuana whatever you know they're, they're the front line that you don't really hear about and then there's the people that smoke and then there's the community outside of that so it would be interesting to visit again and, and see what that what generally that was but in 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 america as far as i'm aware uh there's a massive um approval rating if you ask the average american on the street what they think about uh cannabis legalization it's usually medical yeah i mean that was an area that you showed quite a lot of interest when we initially met when i saw these films a few months ago the the medical side of things specifically impacted on you i remember you saying that some of the cases that you saw the high cbd uh 
treatments that can be available. Yeah. Is that somewhere that you'd like to have gone more? Would you like to have investigated yeah. further? Absolutely. That was probably the one that we found the hardest to cut because we... We started editing and obviously you have all this incredible information. And like I said before, I didn't know any of this. So it was exciting for me to learn all of this. And then it obviously takes you down a new path and then you kind of, you know, we're finding out other stories that we couldn't include in the film because it, it, wasn't, our, it wasn't our information to share. You know, you can find anything on the internet about uh, Charlotte's Web um, and it was Haley's Hope was the mm, other one. Yeah. And they, yeah, they developed this plant and for this girl Charlotte and I think that I don't know they reduce their these kids who've got ep epilepsy and they reduce their seizures down to like three a day or something when they were having a hundred before so I mean they're saving kids lives and these kids I mean all of them pretty much all of the people that we spoke to touched on medical yeah even and, if they weren't involved yeah, even directly if they weren't in involved like oh, Andy Andy at the Grow, um, he had a woman who came up to him, uh, really tearful, quite emotional, um, saying that she, he'd helped her daughter or niece or something um, be able to go to school because she doesn't. She was out of a. She was. She came out of an induced coma because of medical marijuana. So I mean, when you hear things like that, I mean, he's not. He's not trying to push medical marijuana. This was completely sort of you know, just apropos of the conversation that these guys were having. So it's not, no one's trying to ram it down your throat. Like, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. It's just, it's one of those things that I think Taylor says it, there are too many stories of where it's helped people to deny that it's actually working. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's just too much good stuff. There's too many arguments for it. Not enough that we, we were talking mm. about. There's not enough arguments against medical marijuana. But, you know, people have to... People with ill children were moving to Colorado to, to get treatment. to get treatment, yeah. Which was a really interesting... Yeah. That was something we didn't know, really, until we got there. Um, that it was... It, it changed... It not only changed people's lives who had... Uh, and I'm talking specifically about the kids because that is a motive and it was something we actually veered away from in our film. There was, there was several cuts, obviously, before mm. we got to the cut we got to and, you know, we, we were uh, delivering to a you know, to a major broadcaster, uh, although it was online, you know, it's still under the Channel 4 um, banner and there's limits, you know, there's limits to that story you can tell. Now, had we made it just out of our, off our own back with our own money for the web, we could have said what what we wanted, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there's a there's a limit and you have to give a balanced answer and a, a argument and I hope we did do that in, in, in most of the films. Um, but yeah, that, that was, the, as Becca says, that was the hardest one to make a balanced argument because when you hear, even if it's anecdotal, if you hear those stories and you see those videos and you hear firsthand from... Uh, from the, from from what what you call I was about to say baristas, which is wrong, but you cut that out. Um, but, We're in a coffee um, shop. Yeah. So. Um, but when you when you when you hear from yeah th those those that ad advise when you when you go into any dispensary and get sold marijuana, there'll be somebody advise you, ask you what you like, whether you like a smooth, mellow smoke, or whether you, you know, um, though you know th those guys talking 
almost tearfully about mm. patients and that, and that's what they call them they call them patients mm. people yeah. that they've helped who some of which have, uh, have 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 died and there's nothing they can do or that they maybe help make those last kind of months or whatever it is better you can't help but be affected by that um i think and and i think it made a big effect on on becky and i and um and, and bud um yeah, it was hard to ignore those 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 stories. Really it, was. It, it must be difficult to get the balance right because we we ages ago we spoke as well about the fact that I was produced on the culture high and we touch mm. on Jaden, which is a similar mm. case. Mm-hmm. And I think that clip now, which has been ripped and gone on Facebook, has had over fifty million views. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and and you know we've. With a, with a cynical producer head, I think there's, there's a lot more to the film than just that Jaden clip. But that's the thing that people attach to. And yeah. how can you argue with a mm. child there's such innocence there? Mm. And it must be difficult as being under the Channel 4 banner mm. to get these points across in a measured way. Yeah. And I don't envy you for doing that. And I think you did it brilliantly. Was it, was it difficult to create something that you think, well, actually, there is another side and we better go down this route? And was there, was do you there mean two the, the, the counter argument against? Or yeah, in, it just in general, of, of, you know, in quotation marks, balance. You know, mm. there's always this balance. That it's, was, that was yeah, hard. It was really hard. It was, <laughs> it was really hard. And um, there were several reasons. There's several reasons why it's hard. One is uh, you want first hand. Uh, stories you want first-hand experience and to have that you need to get and speak to people in the industry whether that is the security business whether that's Andy at the Grow whether that's um, at 420 I mean, the first film in the series is is just called 420 and that's about about most people this podcast probably know but yeah it's, a, it's about the f- uh, 20th of April and the big kind of national weed unofficial national weed holiday and, and that is a very visual mm-hmm. film that yeah. is the one that is lots of people lying up and, and having a good time. But I hope, I think we all hoped that there was more to the series mm. than that. There's a lot more um, to it than that. So, yeah, it, it, yeah, it, 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 was, it, it was hard, even when you moved away from that bit, which we mm. knew when we were shooting. This is, this is one perspective. Mm. But when you talk to people in the industry... It, it's very hard for them, for them to talk negatively mm. about it, but what surprised me was just how intellectually they engaged in what the debate was. So, and that, you know, we, there's loads more that we had to leave, you know, out, but they really understand that it's a, it's almost a privilege to, to, to be in the position they are, which yeah, is to... They cherish that. Yeah. And so actually yeah. they don't want to, I don't know, can we swear on these? I don't yeah, know. They don't want to fuck it up. So, they're very they're more conscious than anyone else weirdly yeah. and they've got very it's, there's a very level-headed uh, thinking behind it so that was that was one challenge that actually the counter argument is their own argument which maybe isn't the best way to do it the other problem was we went to uh i went to um both the former mayor um of uh of denver who's now uh, a governor and the current mayor and um, I went to both their offices um, and contacted them before we flew to Denver to, for an interview. And both of them made um, no excuses. You know, they, they, were just, they were busy and that was, that was what it was. And, um, but that, I wanted that interview because I knew for a fact um, that they both voted, uh, uh, the former mayor voted against um, legalisation. 
um, and he's still the governor of, uh, you know, still very much part of that political process in Colorado. So perhaps his opinions changed. Who knows? I don't, you know, it's a, it's a few years down the road now. Um, but we wanted to speak to those people. Sadly, we didn't get a kind of chance. Mm. So that was, that was, that was one thing. And also, the reality, having done it, was there, as Becky said, there wasn't an awful lot of argument against. There wasn't a great argument against. Um, and I'm sure we'll maybe touch on it. The, for me, the big one is, is driving under the influence of marijuana. And there isn't that, there isn't that test at the moment. There isn't really, um, uh, proper kind of safety procedures or, or otherwise around that. And that, that is a, that's a big issue. And I can see why that would be an issue to, um, to anybody, whether you're a smoker or not, actually. Um, I can see, I can understand why. So let's go back, um, do the each individual film as they right. go. So you, you, did, you mentioned 420, which is the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain the, cause I don't think not many people that listen to this podcast will probably know. I mean, Nikki, the producer here that's twiddling with buttons as we speak, would you know what 420 is? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you let me down there. So you're supposed to be like the devil's advocate yeah. of this. Just ask somebody what's past. Yeah, we just, yeah. just grab some Vox Pops yeah. in Waterstones Cafe. <laughs> so 420, um, yeah. can one of you explain what it is? For 420, it, it's, um, it's like a, it's a bit of a mystery. It's like an urban, it's not an urban myth as such, um, but it is a little bit of an urban myth in that in America, at least, it's ent- entered kind of um, cult- cultural discourse, hasn't it? A little mm. bit like it's in films and stuff. And we, we talked about this afterwards, uh, me and Becky and and and, and Bud. And, and um, in American films, there's actually quite a lot of reference to 420. There's a lot of comedians in America, stand-up comedians, who mention 420. There's a lot of uh, um, comedians in the in the states who are open smokers you know what i mean mm. it's part of their act um and so it, it's more part of the, the culture there at least the culture of youth and the culture of smoking whilst uh in the uk as far as i'm aware it's not really much of a a thing um but it it's meant to um relate to when kids knocked off of school and they went to seek out um this uh kind of um hallowed uh marijuana um and uh, and go and smoke it and that's where it came so you'd go 420 and that would be i'd finish school i was gonna go for a smoke um so become this kind of little you know folklore if you like um and yeah it's entered all sorts of things the city when we were there and because we were there for 420 has embraced it massively Mm -hmm. you know there is a massive tourism industry that's the other really interesting about the city there's a massive tourism um industry that's that's emerged because of legalization. So they do all sorts of things. So when we were there, there were like, there was, there was a festival, uh, like you could go, there's a whole restaurant called Chiba Hus, which is, which is just a marijuana themed, uh, rap like shop, right? So you, you go and you, it's, it's, it's very funny, but you go and you have to order like a, a fat one or what, you know what I mean? Like they've all got little names <laughs> and, uh, yeah, blunt and that's your short burrito. And, you know, so you, like the city's kind of em, em, embraced it in that, in that way. And to the point where it was, whilst we were there, it was quite mainstream. You saw 420 ads on the side of buses. Mm. So they knew it was a holiday. It's an unofficial holiday. So now around the world, those who know will celebrate 420. So at 420 on the 20th of April, 
And in in Denver, uh, they light up on the city steps, uh, which is odd because the one law that does still exist uh, in Denver. Uh, is that you can't smoke in public, and and that's what another one of the issues around around uh, weed in in Colorado and in other cities, I guess, that are legalizing is that you can't smoke in public. But uh, at four twenty on four twenty, mm. everybody lit up in the middle <laughs> of right next to government buildings, you and know, police. and police who who let it go because they sort of turned a blind yeah, eye. Yeah, they didn't turned they? a blind eye. It doesn't really. They were there to nobody's hurting anyone, hurt nobody's anyone. doing any harm, you know, no so... Aggro. Yeah, no aggro. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, that's it's quite big in Canada as well, I mean, yeah, yeah, most yeah, of yeah. the North American regions have this 420, and it does happen here, we get Hyde Park 420 celebrations. Mm. Um, how how um, popular is that? Fairly, and it's progressed. Um, I think last year there was a good estimated... Oh, I'm going to pull myself up on the figures here because I have to be really <laughs> quite <laughs> weird. Yeah. I think, and I will stand corrected, and I'll put out a correct figure on the ACAST link. So you go to Stop and Search on the ACAST link. I'll put the correct number out, but I think it was estimated around 5,000. Oh, God. It's yeah. in the thousands, definitely. Oh, you can, you can see the big yeah. plume of smoke right. above Hyde Park. Just that's... to give people, if anybody didn't know, right, just to give context, in Denver, they booked Little Wayne and Wiz Khalifa to play gig. <laughs> A free gig in the middle of Denver. That's how big it is in, in Denver. And it snowed, like mm. properly snowed, snowed. And they had to call the whole thing off. Oh, but, um, yeah. So that was on the weekend. Uh, and in the film, what you see is, um, a guy, uh, called, what's his name? Sly, wasn't it? Sly. Sly yeah. yeah. Sylvester. Sly, so, yeah. um, he, he ran a smaller event, uh, which we then went to. Um, and that was indoors, and so they still did that. It was like a kind of, it was, it was, I mean, all of it was pretty fascinating, but it was like, uh, it was like a, a kind of low rent, um, trade show for weed. So, you know, you could buy a pipe, nice pipe there, you could buy some clothing, you could buy, you can buy, nobody was saying weed because you were in a public space, but everything else you could imagine, um, was there. And the really interesting thing about that was the weed bus. That was that was the that was the re- again like you can you can research a subject you can I did Skype interviews with people you know before we got there but certain things you're not gonna plan for and which was the fun of making it, I guess and uh, they had this bus parked outside so again because the Americans are unique um you if you have a oh, we do get american uh, listeners yeah, yeah yeah wish <laughs> and and, and uh, you know I, I I love America but this is quite unique is that you. An RV is considered a home, you know, like to us, you just parked in the wrong place. But, but to, in there, it, as soon as you step onto that, that is essentially private property. So how they get around this is that you can't smoke in public, as I said. So uh, at the 420 w- event we went to on, on the weekend before 420 itself, which is, it happened, happened to be a Wednesday. But on the weekend, they had this bus and it was the weed bus. It was wrapped like a weed. So it had this massive wrap around it. It looked like a massive joint. And so you could leave the kind of uh, warehouse where this event was being hosted and you could step across the road and you into the weed bus and you'll see you'll see in the edit you'll see kind of images from from that and uh yeah you could smoke on the bus and you couldn't get arrested you, you wouldn't get arrested because essentially it was classed as a home so it was a domestic home and you can't get arrested for smoking in your own home 
And I don't think many people realise that if you uh, you touched on it, if you, if you do travel to Colorado, then you can purchase cannabis, but you can't necessarily go anywhere to smoke no. it. No, you can't go anywhere to smoke it. And also, if you wanted to cross the border, you could get in some serious trouble mm. as well. And this is this is uh, one of the things that came up um, with our interviews was mm. that. Um, it's a, it's a real problem because again, this is back to state and federal law. So states can set their own laws. So it, it might be legal in Colorado, but if you're next door to a state that hasn't legalized and you cross that border and you're arrested with that weed, even though you bought it legally in a state next door, you'd be arrested and, 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 and possibly jailed. So that, you know, there's big problems with that. There's big problems with that because now you, you're, you're going to get people, um, specifically moving drugs across borders, you know, um, so until they actually make every state legal, you'll you'll still have essentially domestic trafficking. I guess you you, you, you kind of call that. So that's still a problem. That's still something that police have to deal with. Quite literally, as they yeah, go yeah, and yeah, buy yeah. them. Yeah. And then uh, the, the film after that, that I watched was the the marijuana Mar- money men, which we've briefly touched upon, which is again how you do get the the vast amounts of cash that's going through. I mean, the tax revenue's massive now, and it's only going to grow from there. How do you put that through the the banking system and I think you've done and I'm not just saying this because you're here but you did such a great job of covering that the fact there is this dichotomy of mm. what, what goes on um, did you set about covering that or did that organic Jesus just form out of of your discoveries a lot of the films um, came together in the edit with me between um, Beck and I and actually if I'm totally honest what would happen is that um, Bardar cameraman and uh, Co- co-directed we, we'd go out and shoot and because Becky was with us which was a real luxury that you don't always have um, because it was just the three of us essentially who, that made the series we'd get, we'd get back on one day we'd give Becky the rushes and she could start cutting them really fresh Absolutely. and I could come then. back yeah. and give her my notes as I kind of thought them mm. not like a week later and we're in an edit suite back in London it was mm. like right Becky today we spoke to this amazing person they told us this and mm. they told us that and and so she then had fresh eyes at that and then could tell me later, oh, that just didn't work, you know, it just wasn't that interesting or it's just a lot to try and get across and we've only got five, six minutes per film, you're going to eat up half of it doing that, you know. So I think, yeah, Becky probably answer that, is that some of the stories create themselves in the edit, didn't yeah. they? Oh, yeah, because there's so much we don't know. So there's, you know, Ollie can pose the question and then he'll get a ton of answers that he didn't even realise he was going to get. So that was the great thing. Again, like I said, we didn't have an agenda. So we could actually, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but we could tell the stories really kind of authentically. One, because we didn't have an agenda. And two, because they were just so interesting and the whole thing was so exciting. And um, oh, I was going to say about uh, Samantha was saying in that film, yeah. she touched on, we were just saying about the... the d- not being able to consume in public she because they're they're part of the pot guide they created the pot guide mm, yes. um so that's where well just briefly tourists will go search the pot guide where can they get pot where can they smoke pot blah 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 and she's she's saying you know because of the federal laws in america we're we're forcing people to break the law and they don't want to do that. They don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, they're not advocating yeah, they're, that you break the law. No, exactly. They're just trying to help you not break the law. Ha- yeah. 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 There's a good story we left. I'm just thinking about you saying about how, whether those things kind of come, come about naturally or whether you have an agenda, a planned kind of route for how that film would go. Um, and obviously, you know, we, we, we couldn't due to budget and whatever. It wasn't like we had 
hours to go and do you know do, do interviews beforehand or do you know what I mean it was pretty pretty lo-fi in that way but uh, one of the things that Jeremy says, who's it's him and Samantha in that film, and he he established Pot Guide, and he tells a story which we we didn't 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 put in the film, but when he started, he started on his own, and he saw this niche in 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 the market. He was like, this is really growing, really really big, but there's nowhere for anybody to go online where they could actually find a definitive list mm. of where I can buy pot, what's the good pot, you know, blah, 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 whatever you want to do. Just as you might be into wine and want to know where to go and get a decent glass of wine. You know, it was yeah, yeah, sort of yeah exactly. It was, yeah, yeah. Essentially, they yeah. are... Yeah, exactly. TripAdvisor mm. for Wheeze. And so... And Weed Maps do a bit of that as well. But so Pot, pot Guide, Jeremy thought, okay, this, yeah, there's definitely like a little you know business in this and so he started phoning when he started it he started phoning hotels himself right and he'd phone up and say what's your drug policy and they'd be like mm, well no drugs you know but what about weed it's legal in the state and so he kept people going uh well yeah no i guess i mean can you smoke in the rooms yeah we can you smoke weed well yeah yeah no uh, yeah i guess so so he put it on the list and think anyway he said, you know, a lot of them, it was absolutely fine. He put them on the website and he'd get other phone calls, like irate phone calls from managers saying, you, we've had loads <laughs> of people at the hotel just smoking loads of weed. Who, who, like, who did this? you speak to? He's like, I suppose somebody at the desk. And so, so he got himself in the early days into some sticky situations. Um, but uh, what he said was interesting was that he said he, he, they very rarely got complaints about those weed smokers. What they got a lot of complaints about in any lesser endeavor, I guess, but definitely in cities um, that, that you'd, and, and states that you'd associate with spring break, is the complaints from hotels are about drunken frat boys. You know, they're not about, you're not smashing up stuff if you're stoned, right? And uh, so actually the complaints were very you know, very low and usually to do the fact it just stunk. You know what I mean? It's not really about doing anything bad. But yeah, so that we didn't, we don't never put that in the film. But yeah, he, he talks about that. That was kind of backfired on it. He learned a few lessons after that. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
And then from there, we touched on it already, but the medical marijuana one mm. is arguably the powerful one. It's You've got such a good advocate in it as well, that the lady that's in it, she is so measured and normal. Yeah. And yeah. again, I use that in yeah. quotation marks. Mm. Not someone that you'd associate with, with the tie-dye that we yeah. formulate in this country. You know, mm. we, we associate mm. every kind of weed smoke with being a yeah. hippie. And of course, it's not like that at all. It's just normal people and you catch it a normal mm. person. Yeah. And I think what you also managed to do is because you filmed her surroundings, how it affects her family life. She said that her relationship's better because she can have medical marijuana. Mm. And that's something we don't address here, I don't think, is that there is not only the individual, but also what comes with their life circumstances, the family, the kids, the wife, the husband. It's a really good question, isn't it? Because Becky will tell you about editing that because I think that was the hardest one and, and, and she'll... She knows, you know, I think that one that affected you most. She spoke, yeah. spoke to her mum about it. We all had these conversations yeah. with our family about it because it, well, it kind of, I think it all, it all engrossed us a little bit because we were really into it and, it, it, you know, it felt like something something really special that we were making. But um, it's a really good question about that whole affecting family uh, because if, I always think, if, if, you, if somebody said to um, you, uh, about your grandma or your kid or your nephew or whatever. And they said, we've got this clinical drug that would help your kid. It might not cure them. It might not, um, you know, it might not save them. It might not, but it, it, it will help with whatever their suffering is. It might mean that they can go on the holiday, you know, next month. It might mean that they, you wouldn't go, mm, no, I don't, don't, what are the side effects? It would probably make you sick. It would probably make you, you know, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, no, I don't want to do that. And that's essentially the argument with a lot of medical marijuana use. It's not about curing. It's about helping somebody's life. And like you say, it, it's never about one person's life. You know, t- Terry's story isn't about just her as much as it is about her own personal, you know, pain or suffering or whatever. All the people around her. And as you say, she mentions her grandkids, her husband... And yeah, that's a that's a massive part of everybody's life. And why would you deny anybody their happiness with their family or their friends? It seems a kind of odd, yeah, an odd an, an odd thing to kind of think. And like, like Becky said, that's why I think it's a debate that needs to happen. Uh, whether you get to the point where you say, "I still don't want to legalize," you still need to have an adult debate about about it. And and hopefully, in our little tiny way, our films address some of that debate. Did you have any idea about medical marijuana going into this film? <laughs> I don't want to sound really um, ignorant. <laughs> Not a lot. No, I mean, only what we'd kind of researched before we went out there, you know, when we started talking about it. But I had very little idea about... I kind of probably had heard that it, you know, helped kids with epilepsy. You know, you hear that kind of thing kind of... Yeah, that story seems to yeah That's, be the one that floats the top, isn't yeah. it, of, of medicinal marijuana? But I mean, I didn't know. Like when Terry listed her symptoms and 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 what her her, her actual condition mm. is, I, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even know how you say it. You know, I mean, no. let alone all the things that are affected affected in her life. And so you no. hear people, you know, they smoke a joint. You know, if they're in cancer treatment, you know, as a kind of relaxant type thing, but. I didn't know that someone with yeah, this, uh, I mm. don't want to say yeah, it wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I always as well. <laughs> yeah, Having listened to that word over and over again, I can't yeah. remember. And it's not even about the smoking. I think that's really important mm. as well. If, if anybody didn't know, if anybody was a bit like us, didn't know loads about it before. 
is that it actually re- it isn't really about the smoking. I mean, I don't think Terry really smoked much. Um, she was it, into edibles. Wasn't she it? was into yeah. edibles, and a lot of people were into tinctures and all sorts of other ways that you can get those uh, those kind of things into into your body. So I think it's quite important that actually most yeah medicinal users aren't going out and buying a load of weed that they can they can skin up they're actually buying very lots of different other pro- other project uh, projects other <laughs> products that's the thing i think we don't know over here is how many ways you can consume it and i think the smoking element puts a lot of people off you know because you know you think smoking equals bad and but that's the thing that Terry was saying. There are so many ways to get it into your system in a safe way. Um, you know, you can vape it. You can put a patch on. You can. She she makes muffins. She makes butter. You know, she's just yeah. amazing. Totally, she's adapted um, it to her lifestyle. Yeah, in in um, unintrusive to other other people. So she could be sat on a bus and have a bit of cookie or a bit of yeah. you know she could you can buy you can obviously you can buy products in dispensaries as well which are branded but she happens as becky said to make a lot of her own stuff but nobody needs to know that you're consuming marijuana mm. it's like yeah. it's that, that if there is if there's an argument for i'm not hurting anyone <laughs> that eating a cookie is probably yeah. the one you know she, um, she makes a brilliant case for being discreet it's, yeah, it's, she, it's very discreet the way, it, like you said, it, she could be anybody doing anything, but it just so mm. happens that she's in a legal state. Yeah. Other people not so lucky. Not so lucky. And she tried pharmaceuticals. It wasn't like she had always been a weed smoker and thought, oh, I'll just carry on with this, it seems to help. She tried so many pharmaceuticals and they gave her awful side effects, you know, made her feel really foggy and other descriptions she used. And then now she, she exclusively uses marijuana. So you just think, well, because that's what, something that um, Taylor said um, in one of the films is that, you know, they're talking about gateway drugs. And this, that, I mean, that's a whole, that's a massive subject, the whole gateway drug. But she, Taylor says that actually marijuana is more likely to be used as an exit drug for people who are addicted to things like um, medical opiates. You know, painkillers could be really addictive. And obviously using, if it works for you, obviously marijuana's not going to work for everything, but something like a chronic pain issue, obviously cannabis, the marijuana is worth trying. And it obviously gets you off these pharmaceuticals and these drugs that are full of, you know, all kinds of things, give you horrible side effects. We've got, we got a term in drug policy called uh, harm reduction, which basically cool. means... Sorry? Cool what? Harm reduction. Harm so reduction. The, 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 la- the least possible harm that you could have with a drug. So mm. if you, prime example, if you're using heroin, use clean needles, use a good source if you can find it, not cut with brick dust, uh, safe injecting sites. Mm-hmm. So that's harm reduction in heroin terms. Right. Cannabis terms, you yeah, know where you get in, make sure you've got CBD, THC ratios, mm-hmm. make sure you get the ingestion right. And I think what you did inadvertently is make a very good case for harm reduction. Because right. as you see, yeah, that was not, yeah. That was. yeah. It, but it's there, it's completely there of the fact that, you know, a lot of people do suffer with side effects from pharmaceutical drugs. Mm-hmm. Also, the long term effects, because if mm-hmm. you have got a condition like fibromyalgia, chances are you need to be on soap for the rest of your life. Mm. Yeah. This is what, uh, yeah, so what yeah. Terry said, she would have had to be taking exactly. something for the rest Forever. of her life. And yeah. did, she, did she feel that in her life that's what she wanted? And it was a personal choice. The personal choice of a 50-something-year-old woman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like She should be able to make that choice. And an um, educated decision as well. Yeah. She decided to go, right, my organs might be damaged from this. They're mm-hmm. not going to get that with, with cannabis. So yeah. she's, she's made a perfect case. And I think she's... 
I don't think you could find a better case study for yeah. for, for filming. Because yeah, well, okay. So there's there's and there's something that happened, you know, like not out of luck as much, but the the kind of fun, I guess, uh, of 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 making a documentary compared to perhaps other stuff that. Becky and I have done in our, our careers, you know, was that there were times you're like, oh shit, I don't think we've got anybody on, you know, yet on camera or whatever. And and so the day we were going to try and find a medical user to film with, I'd been in contact with Terry, I hadn't heard back from her, it was snowing in Denver, do you know what I mean? Like, we, it was like, oh Jesus, like nothing, it, it felt like nothing was going right. And then I got this phone call. Um, on our way to another location, film this uh, scene of um, of somebody skinning up, and um, and I got this phone call from Terry saying, "Oh yeah, no, I'm around. Um, yeah, come come see me. I'm at home all day." I was like, "Oh thank God!" And then we got there, and it was just like, like the nicest woman <laughs> in the world um, with her dog and and her husband and this tiny little. If you watch the films, it's like tiny little it's a, typically American this tiny little wooden house type of thing and she was just fascinating we ended up being there for like two hours you know because it was it was really 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 fascinating and a lot of that didn't make it a lot of that was emotive because she's talking about something that affects her life far more personally than Andy growing a lot of weed and making a lot of money you know so it, it was much more personal to her it really had changed her life and i'm not advocating that suddenly weeds you know like the catch-all cure for everything um at all but um but it it it, you, it helped it really helped her it really really helped her and as as like I said, she was a compass mentor we touched on it right at the start of the film she I, I love you cut i've cut out of the of the film for obvious reasons nobody wants to hear my voice but um i say she looked at me because she she knows that I'm looking at her like, but you're like totally compassmentous, and she's like, I'm not stoned because uh, I don't yeah. want to be stoned. Yeah. I just want to feel all right, you know. And that and that's what marijuana does for her, you know. And, and you make the point as well that both here and in America, it's still under this label of no medical value being yeah. a schedule yes. one. Yeah. Well, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? Seeing it up close and personal. I think that's our biggest uh, challenge, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we that was that was the, probably the hardest thing in that film. Because we had to, we had to somehow get across that there were risks, and obviously, yeah, Terry says, you know, a med- uh, federal level, it's got clusters having no medical value, and I think something that we wanted to go into more, but we couldn't, was that because it is federally illegal, they can't get the funds to do the proper research, so there's not enough actually known about the benefits of medical marijuana we can only kind of speculate and kind of go on what case studies case studies and and anecdotal which is something that we we did have to stay away from we couldn't put in too much anecdotal references because we were seeming to be biased and it's sort of not um it's not factual and Mm. but that was that was difficult because everything, all of it was anecdotal. It must be difficult to strike that balance, especially mm. when you're under the Channel 4 banner, because you know, we, we always do have to put up both sides of the case. And yeah. when there is just this, this brick wall with no medical value, there's not many places you can go with that after no. that, because they've just rubber stamped it. Yeah. And I think you no. managed to get that across well. And I, I, I do. And then I, yeah. from there, you've got uh, Growing Ganja, which we also briefly touched mm. upon, which is 
from a geek side of things, like hugely fascinating because you get to see how this, you know, this new industry is being forged. You know, you get to see all the, you know, the grow room porn. It's just, it's brilliant. It's <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. How the grow rooms are set up. You get to see how they distribute, how they package it, and you, you pretty much manage to do, as you said, from seed to sale mm. of what goes on in that chain. Can you explain? how that process works because we're still not really aware in the UK. Yeah, and and and, it, and if the UK ever get to a point where they do legalise, you know, this is what they'll do. You know, this is the model they'll have to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically means that um, from seed, they can track every single plant they, they grow. Um, where we filmed, we actually filmed in two and there was another bit that didn't make it to the film actually we went, to, we went we did visit another grow room um which is another story all to all together but um and andy and his brother have made a pretty good hash of uh of their um i didn't mean to say that no pun intended. really embarrassing <laughs> uh and they've met they they've done all right and so but because of the high as becky talked about the really really strict regulations they must track every seed and through to sell so uh through its whole um, through its whole growth, it, it's tracked, and then they'll they'll repot it, etc., etc., etc. And when they take a cutting, uh, everything is tagged. So that has its own individual barcode, and is and is then state monitored. Yeah, that has to the, the state has to be informed of that. Yeah, don't they? it's not just a case of yeah. really nearly cutting. So it, it it's it's pretty crazy if you think that that's. I don't think that happens in the drinks industry. I'm pretty sure. You know what I mean? You could probably sell some hooky booze that you've... But in this case, yeah, everything is is, is tracked. So it's a major operation. Mm. And um, that goes right through to sell. So then they'll cultivate that plant and they'll get that plant ready uh, for sale, dry, drying process that you kind of you see a little bit in the film. Um, and so the whole time that they could trace that back if they needed to. Um, but they tag, yeah, they tag everything. So a plant, one plant will have its own barcode for life so that will follow it through it's the process which is pretty yeah pretty amazing there, is, there are people in this country that are trying to do that They're, like there's a we got a system called the United Kingdom Cannabis Social Club movement and that is the model that they're trying to follow is to a more responsible mode of some seed to say mm-hmm. tracking it barcoding it so obviously still very much not to the level what is needed in Colorado but you know domestic routes are trying that is, is, is that readying itself for when that U- the UK might legalise, or is that more? What, what, it's, what's the purpose it's kind of, that? of uh, positive activism in the sense mm. of defiance, but in in a responsible way. It's a solution, that makes, yeah. regulated. So the UK cannabis social club movement is trying to follow that model of you know, responsible seed sale tracking, um, and I think we are going that more more of that. Well, way that seems of, to be the, the that seems to be the argument the Lib Dems are kind yes, of are going yeah. for, and. Uh, it's twofold. It's twofold. This, so that's also because of tax revenue. I mean, there's no. You can't really. You can't really get around that argument, you know. So, if you can track every plant, you can tax every plant. You can tax every sale. Um, you can tax the business on their, you know, profits. And that's yeah. That's why America love it because it brings in taxes and a hundred million dollars I think they made in 2015 yes. just Denver alone so in taxes and uh, yeah so I think in, in in England in Britain in the UK that's exactly the model you can just see that would be the model 
to follow. Yeah, that would definitely be the model to follow. And and but it, it's it's twofold. It's what's closed businesses as well. So we filmed uh, in first, our first day of filming. Um, we filmed at a dispensary, which was the first uh, dispensary with the first sale of recreational marijuana happened at in 2014 so um it's a shack it looks like a shack it's it's in it's in the documentary but we don't we don't we didn't really make a massive thing in it and and um we filmed we filmed the grow there as well there's little shots of that and we did an interview there which sadly didn't make 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 the final cut but um it's like a little shack and the difference between that which was like i say has been going a long time and sells both medical and recreational and the the businesses and the kind of shop fronts that have emerged over the last twelve months is massive. You know, it's really that's where you can see it coming more mainstream. You know, and they're really classy. It might look like a, it looks like a nice coffee shop. You know, and then you've got others. I won't mention what it's called, but you look it up. First, first um, recreational sale, uh, but the owner was in the process of selling that business when we were there, and the reason was because it, she thought it was. Uh, over-regulated as an industry and was just killing business and killing profits, killing just how easy it was um, or it, making it much, much harder to run a, a business. Um, yeah, that's the, other, that's the other side of the coin is that there is a danger that it will become like the tobacco industry and all those nice little friendly shops um, and dispensaries will get kind of sucked up by people want to make a profit over anything else I guess in the film uh, in the growing ganja uh, with Andy Williams um, it's quite interesting how he started he, he basically pitched to his <laughs> mum didn't he yeah. she knew nothing about um, his brother's stoner experience in the basement yeah, and they went to his mum and went in his basement <laughs> <laughs> so can you, uh, could you imagine that like going to your mum going yeah I smoke weed, but can you fund the, this new industry that we're just about she said, to yeah, so. Exactly, she did it. And, and, and now, I mean, his business is worth fortune, isn't it? They're doing very well, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we, we, uh, we touch on the figures in, 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 the, in the doc and, uh, of personally how much they're turning mm. over. And actually, again, I think we have to clip it a little bit, but at the end, he hints at just how big he thinks the industry's going to get. And obviously, we're... What do we now? Like nine months from filming mm. it, I guess. And then, you know, we edited it and it was up in May. So mm. it's been a little while. In, in that time alone, his prediction, I think, is probably mm. pretty much bang on, isn't he it? As, it? As he far thinks as it's going to be bigger than beer. That's what yeah. he, yeah. Yeah. I think it, they're growing, is it two metric tons? Yeah. 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 Which is about 14, 15 million per year. Yeah. And that's, you know, new industry. And it could only get bigger from there, really, mm. can't it? I I spoke since to people that were involved, you know, or helped us out. Uh, one of them um, has now started a, a, a new job and has moved to California as a result from Denver to California. And in that time, obviously, they have le- legalized. And um, he said that's <clears throat> this will be the second turning point in weed. Mm. Um, and he said he said to me that. I think it's about five and a half million. I think is the is the um, uh, population of Colorado, um, and California is, is thirty six. Google and check that I'm right there. I might we'll be put the figures out on your cast. Yeah, please do. <laughs> but 
that is huge. You know, that is a massive difference in your potential market. Not every 36 you know, million people in, in, uh, in California are, are weed smokers, but your potential market is enormous. Uh, and LA, you know, Santa Monica, San Francisco, lots of places in California are already tourist hotspots anyway. So you've already got an influx. And so they're going to have to have, they'll have some massive challenges, I think, because they're going to, they're going to get to the point that, that Denver got to, which was, oh shit, we've got this amazing thing and we're going to, we're going to make something legal and then what you do with that very thing illegal. So you were talking about nowhere to smoke, you know. So what do you do in a state like California, which is ten times bigger than Colorado as far as population, not quite, but you know what I mean. What do you do then? What do you do with those people? So there's definitely some challenges, I, I imagine, in the in the future. And the good thing about uh, California as well is that a lot of uh, sentence and Colorado is a lot of sentences been uh, sentencing has been commuted as well, which means that. Yeah, we've not really touched upon a criminal justice system no. because you're in a, you know, what we're talking about is a legal regulated market mm. now. But the, the criminal justice system still does exist for, for certain people. Mm. So a lot of times we are finding that some sentences are being commuted, which is can only be a good thing. Mm. Um, and then, which kind of tenuously brings me mm. to Weed Security, <laughs> which, again, is one of my favourite films of it because it's just so geeky and interesting. <laughs> um, and it's the one that has got the suspense that is the one that really is, you know, perfect ride along, as you said. Um, and we, we kind of covered that one really now, but the ethical dilemma, which we also briefly touched on, is what most interests me. The fact that the law enforcement are in a bit of limbo now of, you know, we can't touch this. Uh, how Did you get any feeling from both law enforcement and on the ground with with the general public of how they do, you know, feel about this? You know, the gut instinct of where this is heading it for me it just felt like there's a massive shift in attitude it's the connotations of what weed smoking you know drug taking was about and i think they've kind of accepted that weed is a different uh, kettle of fish to you know hard drugs cocaine and heroin or whatever so i think the feeling from that is just it it's like an acceptance it's just a shift in attitudes you know obviously being in law enforcement they were kind of told one thing you know that there's obviously this is bad and we should be arresting people for this and I don't know I don't know if there was a real kind of no one really kind of talked too much about how that like how they're feeling about it I don't no know. and I think I think that probably uh, talking about it earlier and we were saying that REC was um, legalised in 2012, but the first sale wasn't until 2014. Um, if you think about it, in the big scheme of things, you know, by the time we were filming, um, it it hadn't been very long. And so people do quote to you kind of statistics, and well, there has been research that obviously is a, as a... Um, as a local government and and nationally, I guess they need to get some kind of figures, whether that be on drug rehabilitation or reoffending or crime. You know, they they they'll need to a driving that we talked about before. They'll need to get those figures. They need to see what that effect is. But it's very very early to tell whether those are really truly affected. You know, so the the report that came out, I think, last year. Um, was only 14 to 15, so t- 2014 to 15, and 
and so that was the first year of of rec legalization so you can't really base i don't think you can base public opinion i don't think you can base long-term effects of of anything on a year's worth of study you know so it would be very hard but a lot of people have you know those that are pro have read into those statistics in their own way those that are against have done it another um interestingly the mail uh the daily mail did uh, an article early th- no end of last year where they uh used it why they would pick up on the man story i don't know but um well basically to have a go at people but but what they did I, actually in fact i know exactly what it was because tim farron had come out with his statements about marijuana uh and in fact he'd come out they'd come out with them back in March 2016, but he'd raised them again in Parliament. There was another vote that failed to pass in uh, Parliament in the UK. And uh, so the Mail published a story about it. Essentially two reasons. One, to tell you the evils of of, uh, pot and other drugs, and two, so they could slag off Tim Farron. But what was really interesting, whether I like the paper or not or anybody else does, what was really interesting is how you read statistics. And it'll be really interesting to see going forward how, how how that works and how intelligent people interpret them and engage with them but what they did was uh, they worked uh, in percentages not numbers so they would uh, take some of the statistics from that report the same report I, i've i've read and i i read um after we did a screening of our film um if you if you take a percentage it's not a true statistic uh, because if if you've had say as an example, two deaths uh, by people under the influence of um, weed driving, right? Uh, and then the next year there are four. If you write that up as a 50% increase in deaths, that sounds awful, right? But actually two more people from, from two the year before have died. And it, that's not a great... That's not something that we should all panic about. It's not great and you need to deal with it, don't get me wrong. But, you know, four people dying of something is not reason to go mad and, and panic but if you write it up as 50% you can panic a lot of people so and nobody that's reading that article is going to go back and read where those statistics come from you know see so that's what I mean about interpreting things and I think people should be yeah very mindful even if you're pro of, of ex- exactly what you know the risks are and the the big issues are but at the same time you will read a load of crap and 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 uh, I guess that's true even more so you know, of the, of the last kind of six months, mm. just general news generally, you know what I mean? Just be very mindful it's, of what it's you're difficult reading you're reading it. Because, I mean, it's, it happens on both sides. You know, the, the reform side, if you're reform biased, that also has got some dodgy stats and numbers and as as the sort of the more, um, I want to say something polite, the more rabid press in general, yeah. mm. not just any one publication. <laughs> But it happens on both. Was that any? Was that a problem when you were making the films that you had to divine what was correct and what wasn't? You know, Becky was saying about how um, uh, people are very mindful when we're talking to people. They're really mindful of what it is that they've got. You know, they're really celebrating this kind of community that they've uh, created. Um, so I might, I might be slightly biased here, but I'm, I, I think as a result, they're people that are pro are mindful of giving you some some rubbish statistics you know of not addressing mm. those things i think i think people were really careful actually to make sure that they were giving us the right figures you know what i mean mm. i feel like because they do 
want to hang on to exactly what what they've created and what they've got. They don't want to just throw out these kind of fake figures. But I guess... I also, don't, blow it. They don't want to blow yeah, it. Yeah, they don't want to blow it. Because they could repeal yeah. the law. Amendment 64, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming. It could certainly happen under Trump's yeah. uh, presidency. Well, well, yeah, I mean, Crumbs, there's, you know, he's already dismantling Obamacare. Who's to say? I mean, I, you know, I really don't, I, I, he's made no statement about m- marijuana. Um, but it's interesting. It could, you know, and I, I think, yeah, as Becky said, they, 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 they're kind of hanging on to it, aren't they? It's like they know that one step wrong for for them, mm. it's over. You know, the other side of the argument could do ten things that are wrong. You know, ten misquotes, ten. Statistics that are actually bullshit. You know, Attacking they could. The industry. They, they yeah. could do that a lot of times. One step wrong on the other side, and it's like, yeah, it's o- it's over. I guess you know. And so I guess it's. That. I mean, we don't know because we were given so many statistics. You know, I don't. Mm. We weren't fact checking everything because a lot of it was just part part of how they were feeling, kind of on the whole, and you know, throwing in statistics just to back up their stories. Um, but it did feel like the people we were speaking to were very well informed about their particular areas. You know, it didn't feel like they were just kind of plucking figures from nowhere. And they were, you know, the, when they were talking about their, their facts, it was because it was something that they're involved in, um, quite personally. So, I mean, for me, I wasn't kind of questioning the figures and the facts and, but it was all mixed in with kind of anecdotal references. And so it all, just kind of make it's very convincing you know all of it the whole kind of um take on legalization it's a very convincing thing which i think leads on really nicely to the to the final film we're going to talk about which is the cannabis which is a publication that's been set mm. up in colorado specifically to deal with with cannabis issues which yeah. is bizarre when you think about it you know something that can be that big an issue now that it's got its own publication mm. and it's under the um what is it it's under the, the denver post yeah, yeah. under mm. the denver post which is huge mm. yeah um so, and uh, you know from my point of view it's fascinating watching that how that industry springs out of another industry mm. uh, was that any news to you that this was going on that all of a sudden there is a, a drug journalism sector well i think uh you know, when I, when I said about reading the stuff about the federal state law, you know that <clears throat> that's what then led me down a road about this or a road about that, and that was part of the process with the commissioner is deciding what those six episodes should be, and and um, that was an early one, and I remember I had like my initial document had you know a few i wanted to go to a grow an outside grow which i thought existed but didn't and so slowly over you know development process sending stuff back and forth i had this other idea at the end about security and he'd never heard of it so that was how the security thing was like wow and i was like yeah no i need to look into that a bit more he said well that's the story i haven't heard so that sounds pretty good and and that's how we got to that point and the cannabis one kind of jumped out quite quick because they they've been very that that is a publication for the intellects isn't it yeah like these are just these are journalists, you know. These are intelligent people who have no. Um, it does not help them to write uh, things that aren't true. That's you know, that is a kind of in their nature. Um, and Denver Post is a very respected publication. You know, as far as a regional state paper goes, it's one of the few that still exists for a start. But it also does still pretty well, right? Um, so yeah, so that that kind of that kind of jumped up quite quick, I guess, and and and. You'll see if you watch the film, they're pretty engaging people. So there, there was stuff that was around about them, do you know what I mean? And articles that existed and what have you. So actually it came quite naturally. 
what did happen though was that it was it was um people on that paper or on on the website on the cannabis that really helped us open some doors for us and i think that's what really helped us get some of the access we got so the stuff with andy and the grow you know which we were really proud of and we know it we knew it looked great and we knew even if you didn't smoke weed it was pretty interesting it was things like that that opened doors and that's what we i guess what we were touching on about the community they really were very helpful and, and and wanted to tell the story they weren't hiding anything they were doing i think that i found really mm. interesting yeah everyone was just so open about everything people want they want to get their story across because that's the adult bit yeah Be they open. are they're, they're all adults they're all you know very intelligent people and they want to have a grown-up conversation and they they've got nothing to hide that's what it feels like and they're proud of where they've got to and all of them pretty much say like look at us as a as a success story like colorado we're a success um and they don't they they just want to tell their stories mm. in a really kind of they legitimate were, way they were probably the most um, measured those as um as interviewees as well because mm. of their journalistic background so they had a duty as journalists or at least they thought you know that's what they believe i'm not sure journalists think that but they did that they had to tell you know, had to tell the truth. They had to accept that there were there were problems, uh, and there would be other stumbling blocks. There'd be other kind of bumps in the road. Um, but even so, it was minimal. It was still pretty yeah, tricky. Yeah, it was still, yeah. But um, no, I guess it, I guess it was. But they were very good. They, you know, very great at that kind of measured measured the better. And that was part. You know, it wouldn't be a decent journalistic story they were writing if they weren't mm. taking both both uh, sides of any debate. You know, did did you try for a more um, for a lack of a better term, anti-approached. Was there anybody that you you went to? To I mean, you mentioned the yeah. So that's I, I, I've remembered his name, Governor. He's now a governor, but he was former mayor. This sounds like a guy at the wire, Governor Hickenlooper. Hickenlooper uh, yeah. yeah. So he yeah he was a former mayor. He voted against, and and we tried to speak um, to them. Um, and yeah, that, I guess, I guess that's the limits of a, a short form documentary series mm. is that, you know, you've only got a certain amount of days to film and, you know, more money, you could have yeah. stayed longer. Yeah, or, if we, if know. we had more time and more money, we could have, I'd happily, we could have, ev- we could have easily got more of a, yeah. you know, anti, the anti, anti what's hard is that obviously because it still feels very fresh to, I think, to a lot of audiences here and all our friends that we, we kind of spoke to and family members and whatever, but, it was like, oh God, I didn't know that existed. But to them, you know, like I say, it's two, two, 2000 was when, when the medical thing happened. So actually a lot of those opinions have changed. I think if you'd done that, if you'd done, it would have been hard to do it because there would have been less subject matter, I think. Had you done it 10 years ago, you know, in its real, real infancy of, of medicinal, you would have had a lot of anti, a lot of anti, uh, voices. Those voices are getting harder and harder to find. Uh, it wasn't that we didn't seek them out and that I, I definitely would have liked to include it more um, in the series, but um, they're harder to find. So when they passed, um, when they fought, passed Amendment sixty four, which was which was about wreck, uh, and that's now going back five years or four or five years, um, it was a, a fifty three six fifty three forty six split, and I think that has probably massively shifted um, since they've had time for the effects of legalisation to sink in. It'd be really interesting. I don't know what those figures are now, you know, what approval rating is, and if you, if you took a vote on it now, whether those people that voted against 
legalization would have actually changed their mind because they can see that actually there hasn't been loads of negative effects and in many ways there's been a lot of positive effects because a lot of the taxes raised are earmarked specifically for schools they can't go anywhere yeah. else so they go into back into education which is a pretty cool and thing. also treatment as well there's, there's a lot that's been earmarked for treatment you know, yeah anybody that may have a problem with cannabis it goes back yeah like Becky said like post you know post addiction coming out yeah. the back of addiction rather than this like she said about this gateway drug it actually there is a there is another way that that drug can be used yeah. so um and neither of us neither in any none of us that went on the shoot are pot smokers so we're no. not like <laughs> oh yeah man it's great because you know my back feels better yeah. i don't i don't smoke um, yeah, we, we, weren't, we didn't go on to project as advocates trying to, you know, so if we, if we could have got more of a, an anti-science yeah, story, we would, to... have, we would have done it. But obviously the places that we were going to, you know, the people that we were talking to were obviously going to have a more of a pro um, attitude. I mean, Taylor, who, who appears across all of the films, she was probably our most... Um, level kind of yeah. broad and she was so good at kind of um, getting across a lot of the facts as well facts that we didn't know about which were really interesting things about just the whole legalization and policy that we had no idea about like something interesting that she was talking about was um, about the risks because you know obviously Ollie's kind of prompting her to tell us about the problems the risks and she says you know there are risks because in Colorado they they they're not advocating that young people smoke cannabis. In fact, I think some places say you have to be 20, it's definitely 21, but then there's even the debate that maybe brains are still developing up to 25. And with that, every, every time you walk into a dispensary, your ID's been checked. And she's saying, well, that wasn't happening in an underground market, that no one's checking IDs on the sidewalk, she says, you know. So that's a really interesting point, I think. Mm. And there's no, as a drug dealer, there's an agenda to push the next drug because exactly it's yeah. going to make you more money, right? But in a weed dispensary, that's the only thing you're selling. So unless you're going to push a chocolate bar on them, there's not a lot more. <laughs> you know what I mean, you can sell them. So you know, there's there's a lot of positives in in that sense. But um, that was a nice one. <laughs> yeah. But there's uh, the, the, uh, Ricardo, who who is the editor of of the Cannabis. Uh, another kind of really kind of you know bright measured man um he speaks as becky said about this kind of age thing and again you know it's it's an ongoing it's an ongoing debate so actually the people leading the debate ironically are the people that are already pro because if they lead the debate they can address the problems as or before they happen you know, so if they let things kind of crumble and and it will go wrong, and it will give more reason to to reverse any laws that might exist. But if you can kind of see that coming and go, okay, yeah, let's do a study into when does marijuana affect the brain? Is the brain still developing? As Becky says, at twenty one, should you actually make it twenty five? Should you make the legal purchase of marijuana twenty five if it's rec and if it's medical? You know, you have a different law. So. They're, they're addressing all those things. So that's what I mean about it. It was, it was hard to find the, 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 the anti-argument because I think the debate moved on. We haven't, perhaps in the UK and other places, and, and probably in other places in America, but in Denver, mm. the debate has moved on. Um, and so I think even those governors and, and mayors perhaps have a different outlook, especially when it gives them money to spend on the state yes. they run. So. Mm-hmm. And then I think the last question, I think it's got to be, 
have has this sparked an interest in both of you? Do you yes. Are you still keeping an eye on things, and would you want to do more work in that area? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we we talked about this, but it has. Um, it definitely has. We, I'm, I, I, we have an idea at the moment about. So we, well, the first thing we want to do is more on the medical uh, side, and, and obviously. You've done the culture digestion. You, you kind of, you know, you know, you know that story. And I think we all felt there's a lot that didn't make it out of that. A lot, of, a lot of stories. We had to lose a bit because it had um, a, a guy um, uh, at one of the shops was actually referenced a girl that he tried to help, and we had to lose that because of for clearance rights and everything else, clearance purposes. So th- there was a lot of kind of uh, more emotive stuff. Even, uh, ter- again, this doesn't, we didn't touch on this, but Terry's in the films, but Terry, uh, who you see in the medical marijuana film, her husband also smokes, but he smokes. She doesn't really smoke. He smokes weed, and he's a former vet. And part of what he does is help former soldiers. Yes, um, quite big. Yeah. Which is massive, massive in the States. And obviously, again, massively part of their culture that we talk about earlier, but the difference in culture, weed culture with the UK and the US being it's in comedies, it's in films, whether it's Days and Confused or Cheech and Chung, whatever. And again, you know, that's a war almost defined by that drug, you know, um, and by that era. You know, whilst we haven't really got the same in in British culture, you know what I mean? I'm sure there were a lot of drugs used in World War Two and in World War One. They just didn't happen to be marijuana. But so it it is steep more in, 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 in their culture. So that's a little that's another bit of the medical thing I'd like to do. And we have we I've got another idea, but whether anybody wanna make it, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough for talking about this with us. Um, and I do urge everybody to go and watch the films because they are brilliant. The link would be scrolling along if you go to a cast slash stop and search. They'll be there. Um, and thank you, Ollie and Becky, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Jason. Thanks for having us. What do you reckon then? Do you reckon that the rest of the world could follow? We know that um, a lot more states are going to in the US. It's a tricky time, though, because the new administration is over there, as we touched upon. But... Canada are going to be next. They're going to be regulating their cannabis industry on a federal level. It'll be one to watch. Hopefully we'll do some coverage of that as well. So thanks again for listening, guys. And a few thank yous as I'm here, as ever. Uh, my name is Ad for our podcast artwork. Thank you, Ad. And Nicky, the producer, you heard him on this one. He actually said something um, rather reluctantly. I'll put the mic in his face. But I think we need to make more of Nicky. I think we need to get his voice on there more often. Also, thank you to Drew at Let Me Look TV, who's been giving up his time recording this, so you can see some visuals that are going to come out soon. And, of course, Scribius Pip, who hosted this Honest Distraction Pieces Network. And don't forget to listen to the other Distraction Pieces Network shows of Tuesday Night Jaw with Jim Smallman. I'm a wrestling fan. I hold my hands up. And Susie Gage at Say Why to Drugs, who probably forging a, a new way of drug education, I think it's fair to say. Doing massively well, award-winning, but I'll see you on the next episode, which will be episode 10, only two away from our year anniversary. Don't forget to look out for our live events. And also, suggest guests. You know, we, we can't keep on top of everything. If someone's got a bit of a something to say in the media about this, give us a shout at, at UKLeap on Twitter, at UKLeap.org on Facebook, or find me, at Jason Tron, if you fancy it. Um, just let us know give us some feedback make sure that you like rate and subscribe and all that thing that we have to say Um, please do it does kind of help so until next time guys thank you so much again for listening let's do something about this war on drugs thing yeah bye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.